Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score and I. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carla Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to the score. The score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome along to The Score. We're live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM. It's with me, Michael Clark, Me, Colin Hopkins. And our special guest today, Ards Manager, former Northern Ireland international, Warren Finney. Warren, welcome to our studio. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Great to have you here. He's been a busy man, but this is live. You can get your questions in for Warren and we'll uh, put them to the man himself uh, over the course of the next hour or so. There's three polls running on the Score and I's Twitter page today. Get involved in those poll one. It's the County Antrim Shield final on Tuesday night, but who's going to win it? Crusaders or Linfield? Fairly straightforward. That two options. Take your pick. Poll 2, Rashford sent Man United through to the Champions League quarterfinals in dramatic fashion on Wednesday night. But was a penalty the correct decision? We've given you four options here. Yes, Stonewaller. Seen them given. Harsh call or never a pen. Those are those are the four ways that football fans talk. You see this yes, no, doesn't do it for me. Those are your real four options. So you cast your vote. And at the moment... All four of them are nearly tied, actually, I have to be honest. So go on and be decisive for me, please. And poll three, huge test for Ireland on Sunday. They host France in the Six Nations. Who is going to come out on top? I'm going to be in Dublin on Sunday, right around the corner from the Aviva. I didn't actually go as far as get myself a ticket, but it'll be fun afterwards. So that's something. I might find a local bar that's showing it. But that's all to come on the programme. We'll get our views on all of those things. But as I say, uh, delighted that we've got Warren Feeney in the studio with us. Uh, Warren Feeney, Ards Manager. What was it uh, that, that brought you back to the league, first of all, Warren? Um, there's no lie that I wanted to, you know, get, get back home. Um, I was out of work, out of football, and, you know, when the job came up, I was on the on the phone straight away. And Look, it's been my life. Um, I wasn't worried about the position Ards were in. Um it's a good opportunity and a good challenge for me. Because that's the thing. I mean, you you left the Irish League with Linfield, top of the <clears> league. You come back to a team who, at that point, when you took over, were bottom of the league. Did it cross your mind? This is a bit of a, a different reality. This is a bit of more of a challenge. <laughs> no, no. You know, I've been in in semi-professional football when I took the assistant job at Salisbury, so I know how difficult it is. But it didn't phase me whether it's Linfield, um, whether it's Ard, you know. Yes, Linfield have all the facilities and, and the biggest club on the island, but for me, it's it's football. Um, and as I say, it's a great challenge. Uh, you know, it's difficult. As I say, it's going to be you know difficult to to survive. But you know, the boys have responded well to me, and, and I'm looking forward to it. That was the thing. I think you know when um, when when Nixon was uh, you know basically let go by the club, a lot of people were going. Who, who would take this on? Who would want it? I mean, what was the conversation like with the board, obviously, before you, you accepted terms? 
It happened quite quick, but I think there was a, a few had phoned the chairman um, for it. But as I say, they, look, it's a job, and you know I love being a number one. Um, but you know I, I showed me interest to them, and I said, look, it's down to you. But if you need any help at the end of the season, I'm more than welcome. Um, they rung me back, and we got a deal done. Me and an hour, you know, as I said, yeah, it's. It's definitely must have been good terms, Warren. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I said, but I'm not going to get an agent all involved in, in things like that there. But as I said, it's about football, and and it was more the challenge. And as I say, ours were brilliant. They've been absolutely brilliant to me. Um, and you know, it was great to see the fans turn from the first game. And I say we got the right win, but you know, we have a long, long way to go. It was in many ways the dream start, wasn't it? Um, an eighth of Ardsley goals for the season scored in that one game, as uh, I was saying to you afterwards. If you're, if you're going to start, start with a win against the team you're up in a big battle with and get a few goals. No, look, I had a bit of a group therapy uh, situation with the players uh, because, you know, as I say, they weren't scoring goals, they were conceding goals and something had to change. I said to them, you know, you can't keep losing games, I think. And it's not nice for people to lose their jobs, but three games out of 29, I think it was their first win in, in 20. Um, and it is difficult, and I looked at it and I went, something's got to go here. So I got in, put a smile on their face, um, put my points across and have responded to it. And as I said earlier, they will lose games, with no doubt there's going to be ups and downs. I've been in this position before with Newport and as a player, um, but I've just got to keep their feet in the ground and, and try and pick up a few points. That... You're talking about putting smiles on faces. I would imagine you're coming into a dressing room at that point that was at a real low because managers never get sacked when the club's at a high point, let's face it. No, you know, you can say that new managers coming in, it gives the players a, a response, but it's how the players react to you. You know, you can go in with your, with your jaw still on the floor or you can go in a bit of a buzz, but I, I stripped the first session straight down to basics. Um, went through shape, what I want style of my play, the energy I want and as I say they responded but you know I'm a believer in football you're only as good as your last game they've got to carry it on um, and as I say mistakes will be made but they got the they got the right response of a, what just over two weeks now working with them um, and you know the way they know the way I train and the way I want us to play on a Saturday I'd say the strikers must be particularly delighted to have you there because, let's face it, if you're not scoring goals, it's not bad to have someone that scores goals for Northern Ireland give you a few pointers. <laughs> no, I'm a big believer in strikers have got to keep hitting the nets. Whether, you know, I don't like people lining up at, at shooting drills. There's 20 people, you get one shot every four minutes. I'm, I'm a big believer in taking the strikers away, even no goalkeeper, three, four of them. Just keep hitting the net, hitting the net. It was funny, I watched Aguero one day. And I say hit the net, but I watched him one day at Man City and he concentrated on hitting the post from five yards out, little volleys. And and I turned around to the coach, not them, but I turned around to one of the coaches and I says, what was it he says? Because he sees the white, the frames of the goals in his mind. And he says he always looks for corners. And it's something I've always took on um, with me. And, you know, he's, a, he's for me, he's one the best striker in the world. I love his movement, the way he can hold the ball up his finishing. So I'm a big believer in taking the strikers. I said, look, sit down. Everyone misses chances. Don't worry. It's, you know, just pass the ball in the net. And I've got a good response from them. So I hope they'll have a shooting boots on tomorrow. You see that 
it's a very interesting mindset that of a, a goal scorer because you need to be incredibly resilient because we all talk about oh you know he's had a purple patch he can't stop scoring but the the opposite of that is when you do stop scoring how do you get back that goal when when you're taking shots on how much of it is calculation and how much of it is just hit it because it's in front of me no when you look at the top strikers they'll pass the ball many of them pass the party canes an expert at it for me and I think you know obviously Ronaldo and what to say about him he's the first in the train in the morning he's the last to leave now he's the best player in the world him and Messi that's not just by you know coming in and training with the rest of the boys and that's what I say whenever you're not scoring you know sometimes you can't overthink it but you just keep going, practice, 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 repetition. And um, and I said to the boys, just enjoy it. You know, I've put on different drills for them, probably some they've never done. But, you know, they enjoy it, and that's the big thing. They've got a smile on their face doing it. And, you know, I'm a big believer, and I say, don't worry, just concentrate on hitting the target, and they'll come, and they'll come. And the funny thing was, we scored with three headers. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how they go, particularly at the business end of the season, certainly. That was a crazy game because was, there was all four goals in it were headed goals as well. But, um, yeah, as you say now, it's about trying to keep that up and, and trying to keep them going. Um, I guess Mark Kelly's going to be first name on the team sheet then, is he? You know what? He's, he's had a bit of a niggle all week, to be fair, but... You know, he's a big boy, his physique's big. We've got Michael McClellaner, who I know was at the Welders. He, Michael can score goals. You know, a lot of people are saying to me, oh, he's this, he's that. But I'm a believer. It's a fresh start. Everyone's got a chance. Um, and, you know, the players have responded to me. So, as I say, yes, you score goals, you want to play. But one story I said before, I remember scoring two goals on a Saturday and Roberto Martinez left me out on a Tuesday, so no one's guaranteed, <laughs> believe me. Um, you know, no one's guaranteed to play. <laughs> the tactical side of it there was something that I noticed and you can correct me if I've I've looked into this too much Warren but were you allowed Nuri to have the ball at certain spells in that game for me was quite an interesting one because quite often in Irish league in particular um, obviously not solely here but often you see players kind of rush the ball and it's not necessarily an intentional press it's just a need the ball uh, whereas you seem to drop back and say that part of the pitch, they can have it. This part of the pitch, they can't. Yeah, no, you know, uh, it's probably the structure of the way I want to play. You know, I'm a big lover of Atletico Madrid. I think they play four four two, but you've got to be fit. They're fit, but I love the way they play. They're shaped. They don't care who they play against threes, against four three three. They focus on what they want. And I worked on with the players, um, the shape I want and where we're going to set a trigger. Um, and as I say, look, it goes with difference in games. It's what I thought where they wanted to play from the back at times. But, you know, looking at Glenn Turn Saturday will be totally different. You know, of a game plan that what I think, you know, will help us against them. But as I said, it's taking it on that pitch. Brilliant. We'll come on to Saturday in a bit. Uh, I want to kind of go right back because you are from a footballing family, it's fair to say. You, you just have to look at your granddad and everything he achieved, your father as well. And even your cousin's a footballer. I mean, my goodness, is there anyone in your family that can't kick a football? Um, probably only the only the women. <laughs> um, but no, listen. Probably my sister had all the brains at school. You know, she she went on to be a a lawyer for a company over here, and I used to come in, throw my bag up the corridor, say, "Lindsay, here's my homework. Can you do it?" And was straight out, <laughs> straight out in the, on the street, playing football. And and I probably I think with the way the day's gone with kids, you don't see enough of it. They're all on their iPads, all, and even my sons at at Exeter. But I tell them to get out, you know, and the best way I learned, I had no pressure on my father, was against the wall myself. Just keep practicing your touch, your touch, your touch. And um, 
as I say, yeah, with a big football and family, obviously with my granda, you know, he played for all Ireland. My granda got his or my father got his one cap, um, and obviously I went on to to have a successful career in Northern Ireland, but also my two cousins and my uncle were, you know, very good Irish league players as well. That it just it's almost unheard of because when you look at most footballers. You kind of go, oh yeah, the, the brother who like played non-league for a season and then it kind of vanished. Um, whereas you go through the family and there's this massive line. Um, just in that you said no pressure from your dad. Um, pressure from other people though maybe at times. Yeah, probably, but I'm not a believer in you know. And this is, I get into the the the, the way the FA want to play with kids. You know, you be strong with kids. I'm not into this. Yes, play with smile on your face, but you got to win. Because I learned quickly that if you're in that changing room, and yes, you're all mates, but him beside you wants to be better than you. And look, you know, you'll have coaches putting pressure on kids, but you've got to enjoy it. I say that football's your best friend in that back garden. No matter what, you've got to believe you've got to go and be the best player in the, tra- in the training ground, the best player in the playground when you go in school. And, you know, my dad, he told me when it was wrong, but he took that step back and says, go and learn it yourself. And I think, you know, you just... Got to look at the players that went across from here to England. They were back after 18. And it's difficult because, you know, them kids are training every day. But you've just got to be have that desire and hunger and to be the best. And as I say, you've got to build that inside you. And I'm a big believer in that. I remember an under-12 cup final where we lost and the manager runners after the game. And, you know, probably you say that nowadays and we're going, oh, it's safeguarding this. But it made us what we were, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I think that's what you've got to have now to, to be successful. I find that fantastic that your dad was able to take that step back because we do these stories all the time and people talk about, you know, pushy parents and, you know, living vicariously through your child and screaming at refs and dragging you here, there and everywhere to train. If your heart isn't in it, it doesn't matter how much the, the mum or the dad screams, it's not going to really work. No, definitely. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big against when parents go to games and they shout at their kids. You know, you've got coaches in there. You've got to back the coaches up 100%, or else take your kid out of it. I don't have it, and as I say, down at, down at Exeter, um, it's run by a local boy from here, actually, Wayne Carlisle. Yeah. And Wayne's absolutely adamant from day one when they come in, and they're probably the, one of the most successful academies in England where the kids have went through, but he makes it clear. He says, do not get involved, your kid's out. And I think it's a big thing because I've been to games over here, and I, and I love when I was at Linfield. You, I just don't get why parents, you know, the parents, do they listen to the coach? Do they listen to their mum dad? They're scared to make a mistake. And you can't, you've got to let the kids believe in the coaches and let the kids go and enjoy it. And the only one time probably I tell her I was my dad when I was, I was going to Chelsea, I think, as a kid and I was at the airport. And I got homesick as a kid. But I remember my dad saying to me, if you don't get on that plane, I'll put my boot up your backside. <laughs> and it's still the best things ever happened to me because it still sticks in my mind. That's you know? brilliant. What age is your son? My son's 11. 11, yeah. and he's at Exeter? He's at Exeter now, yeah. How are you finding that as a father? Because you've been I, through it as a player, yeah. but it's different as a dad, isn't it, it? It's funny because he was at Plymouth, and Plymouth said to him he's too aggressive in his review. But look, I didn't get involved. I stepped away from it, let his mum do it. I'm going to step away from that obvious joke that there's, there's there but well. I'm Where going, does he get it from? Exactly. <laughs> but I'm going, uh, surely you want to be aggressive in a football as a kid at that age. But the funny thing was... Exeter watched him in a game, and he was playing right back. But it, like the the they put kids all over the place at that age. Yeah. But he likes playing up front. But Wayne Carlisle phoned me and goes, "Fino, is that your kid?" And I said, and I didn't even know it was Wayne. He was over there with a hat on. I said, "Yeah." And he says, "We like him." He said, "Gets in." I'm saying that's your Northern Irish mentality coming out you now, Wayne. <laughs> but uh 
So they phoned up Plymouth. Plymouth wanted three thousand, six thousand pound because he was with Plymouth for two years as development fees with the FA, and I had to fight tooth and nail to get him out. And uh, and that's eleven years of age, and it's just it's crazy. That's but, an eye opener. Oh, I'm frightening, but I don't get involved. I sit. You'll see me. Katie will go down and sit with the parents. I'll be behind the goal with an umbrella with a hood up, well out of the road. Just don't get involved in it. You must get bothered by other dads, do you? You go, hey, hey it's Warren Feeney. You're like, oh, some, no. Some will always come and ask you about your opinions and your. But I'm not there to talk about that. You know what I mean? I'll speak to them, but you know, you're there to watch your son. It's and it's a lease for me. You know, I love walking my dog after after games. If I'd lost one, I used to take my dog. He was my best mate. Used to walk, walk and talk there, or else go and watching my son this Sunday, and just switching off totally. Now, I know you've got a, a new love in your life, a new dog. And this is this is what actually, we were having a wee chat beforehand, and this is what hurts him being in Northern Ireland. He misses his new doggy. Tell us more. Oh, don't, you know, obviously, I've got a couple of dogs, but my, my kids just miss my wife. But it took me four years to get this dog. And um, it's only, what, four and a half months. And obviously, I got this job. And I miss this thing more than anything because, you know, it used to come with me, it used to walk with me, and they're very... It listens to one person more or less, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, Brooks, it's, it's breaking my heart to be honest. Right, tell me about the breed of a, a Belgian. What is it again? It's a Belgian Malinois. It's one of the, um, it's the dogs the security forces have. It look like the Alsatian, but they're not. Yeah. But they're very, very hard work. How very we, hard work. How do we Google a picture? Man, I go calling and they're they're fantastic looking dogs. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Hmm. And you know, I was hoping it was here for protection for tomorrow with the oval. <laughs> <laughs> you might need it. <laughs> uh, looking at you know your career then, and obviously there's some salient advice <laughs> uh, regarding getting on planes. But in terms of club football, what do you look back on most fondly? Because you you've been very fortunate. You've been able to be a part of different teams uh, across the UK and and have varying levels of success with those teams. Probably learning off different managers. You know, um, I remember we played under Mike Newell and we'd got we'd got promoted to the championship and we were top of the championship for, for four months. We finished eighth and seven of us got bought that year. But you look at it, we were four four two, no shape. Then look at the opposition. I remember one of the scout reports for me and Snowden was a player of Cardiff that just packs very fat. And that was a scout report before the game. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't look into what they were about. We knew what we were good at. And as I said, we ended up finishing eighth um, in the championship. Eight of us got bought. Then I go to managers where they're different ideas where we do a wee bit of shape. But I was one of them. I needed to train and feel, get a sweat on. I needed to feel as if I'd done something, you know. Um, and it's just probably going around. I look back and think and what I can take from their managers. Don't I want to manage it now? The way you talk to players, somewhere um, you need an arm around them, somewhere you, they need that wee bit of kick up the backside and, and probably you've just got to get that balance right. And, and through my club football, that's what I look at. So you like to train hard, but were you a good trainer, if you follow me? At times. Yeah. Yeah, at times. Sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes I used to get frustrated. You know, I, I was one of them, if we'd done a lot of shape, I hated it because... Stop, stand still, but it needs to be done where I like the the possession. The, and I, you know what? I love my running. I loved running. So I would have loved my gym, loved my running, but not knocking into the gym where I was doing, coming out as if I'm the strongest man in the world. It was all body weight. Um, yeah, and yeah, not. 
at times of training I was I look back and I think it was a few sessions where you know I was kicking the water bottles because <laughs> you uh, you know you're you're not a shy personality that's what I like about you but I would imagine at times in training you wouldn't have been afraid to say if you didn't think something was very good oh 100% I would uh, I don't care who they were if they weren't up there I hated losing five or six that was, if we were playing for a tin of coke <laughs> and it's funny because the other night there I joined him and the players on Tuesday night what a five sign. Lee was in one team and I was in the other. And uh, I gave one of the coaches the, the referee and he come to me after and he went, I'm never refereeing again. I said, why? I was just on them for decisions, little things, concentration. And I won't say the words I said to him. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was one of them. I was very focal on it. They weren't up to standard. Because I'm a believer. It's your job. It's your job. And yes, you can, you can make mistakes. You can have bad days, but you shouldn't give up on things. You know, you can still work hard. That's a big gimme in football. You can have a bad game, but you still work hard for your team. And that's what I was a believer in. You see, that competitive spirit, I was telling a story just before we came on air today. I was playing football with a few friends uh, on Thursday night at the Dublin Belfast. And um, as you do in seven-a-side, you have to, everyone takes their turn in goals. I hate being a goalkeeper. Um, I don't know who would actually enjoy that, but some actually, apparently some people really do. But anyway, I uh, was able to clear one off the line and just because I didn't think of picking it up, a shoulder charged someone out of the way, ran past, a couple of people got to the halfway, marking the pitch, and I thought, okay, brilliant. So I'm obviously going to be able to just square the ball to someone here because I've worked hard and everyone was still standing in front of the goal and I lost my mind. I actually got a text from someone at half 12 saying, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm totally fine. Why, you know, people, because I don't get angry very often I think when people see it they go oh I've oh, really upset him I went no 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 no, not at all I just lost my head for five minutes more. <laughs> see that's too aggressive <laughs> <laughs> Plymouth would hate me <laughs> they would hate me anyway I, I suspect somehow um, you've got to work with some great managers as well uh, I was loving there was a, a line I saw somewhere else about uh, Paul Hart never let you play with uh, the old rubber uh, mouldy studs Paul was our youth coach and he ended up at, at not county with us but you know I remember one time we got beat 7-0 by, I think it was Liverpool. And you see, we used to fly over on a Friday. I used to finish school, fly over on a Friday, train with Leeds on a Friday night, train Saturday, play Sunday and fly home. I remember one day he grabbed me. I was 15 at the time, by the throat, and he went, I pay thousands for you, Irish, to come over here and you do that. Now, you could go and... The way it is nowadays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what made me what I was. And we never, ever were allowed to wear rubber boots, moles. We wore studs. And even in pre-season games, I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable in my mind wearing rubbers at all. I needed to wear studs no matter what it was. I felt more secure and more psychologically stronger. than. Uh, and I, just because of that reaction from him, though, he's yeah. so passionate about this, right? That's yep. the way it is. Yep. And that was it. And, you know, but then... And this is my big problem with footballers now. They want to live the life of a Premier League star. Yeah, and the lower you go down, the worse it is. We used to have to clean toilets, clean boot rooms. The manager's car needed cleaned. Had to do that. Clean the balls, pump the balls up for every session. If they weren't pumped up, you ran. Um, clean the canteen after them, clean the physio rooms, clean the gyms. But now you're looking at these young footballers and it's all about what Mercedes am I getting? what my washbag is. But, you know, I was never happy. And, and we had a couple of crawl. I says, why are you happy playing at the bottom of the league in football, in the English league, at, what, 24? 
You know what I mean? I was in, I'm not being, but I was in the championship at 24, 25. You know, one below the Premier League. These kids are happy playing at the, and I don't get it. Because yeah. everything for me, and it's difficult, is done for them. And, and even in the way of life now, as I say, it's done for them where we didn't. We had to go and fight tooth and nail, you know? And it's the only thing that grabs me. They shouldn't, you know, and I say to my son, don't waste it away. What did you think as a as a young player? Because obviously, all, I'm sure all your mates are going, oh, class, Warren's ways, you know, professional contract playing football, and you're going, aye, but you should see the toilets I'm scrubbing. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, but, you know, it's same sacrifices that made you yeah. to be a professional footballer. You know what I mean? Where, you know, probably, like, in runs, and you just don't give up. Where you put sessions on for players now and they're breathing and they're, oh, what are we doing now? But you didn't, you know, manager says, he says, I mean, you just haven't done it well enough, you're doing an extra one, you made sure you're going to get these in these times. You didn't slack off one bit, you know, and it's, and I just think it's a damn breed. Because if you wore those mouldies, I think there was a fine in place. That's how yep. adamant, you know, Paul, I'm going to stump this out. So I was just wondering though, have you encountered any unusual finds at whatever club at whatever time? As, as, uh, uh, oh, as yeah, a, you used yeah. to get fined all it, loads. You used to get. You weren't Would you have been fined? Oh bit? yeah, we were yeah. fined. Yeah, you weren't allowed. <laughs> what was the worst? You weren't allowed razor blades in the shower, and you weren't allowed to go to the toilet in the shower. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was a big which, fine. Yeah, which sometimes fellas. Yeah, I'm just thinking for you know I don't like to generalize, but you know men definitely do that. Yep, I'm not saying every man does, but men definitely do that, and I, I can understand sort of hygiene reasons. All those people <laughs> going no, no, and that was it. And the, the big one I was never was late for training because managers are the senior. See you later. You'd have been out that discipline, but um, leaving leaving cups in your table. Just little things, you know, so you've got to be... And it's good, but as I say, it makes you what you are. You know what I mean? It's, it's discipline, like cleaning the gyms after you finish, putting the dumbbells away. You used to have cameras in them, just, and then you go back in the camera. So you, you, you had to be disciplined, yeah. You've seen your first share of clubs, obviously, in your career. I counted 10, probably more clubs than Jack Nicholas is the oldest saying. <laughs> but is there any sort of one club sort of stands out? This is the, the place I felt most at home. Well, you see, the problem was when I went to Cardiff, Northern Ireland were in the Euros then and I thought great move I was about to sign for Swansea I actually drove down to Swansea drove back agreed everything Cardiff rang me and says can you come into the pull into the car park okay <laughs> so I went and met the manager in the car park and he says look we've just put a bit in for you he says right I says fine took them three months to get me because they kept Luton kept um, rejecting it but agreed personal terms in the day in Northern Ireland we think we were flying to Liechtenstein and, and it was done in the Marriott at Walthamstow or Bishop's Abbey, Abbey in England. Mm-hmm. So I went to Cardiff, brilliant, great, needed to be playing. And then obviously they signed Jimmy Hasselbeck and Robbie Fowler and I thought I wasn't going to play here. You know, two superstars. But I need to play. I can't sit on the bench and pick up my money. I says, look, I need to go here. I wanted to play with Northern Ireland as well. I need to be playing. And he went, no. And I says, look, give it a week. And he says, about six, seven clubs come in for me then. And I went, I need to go, Dave, I need to go, end the story. And then he said, right, you're going here. And I went, no, I'm not. I said, I'm going here, I chose Swansea. And uh, I love my time down there with Roberto Martinez. I was only there for a bit. They tried to make it permanent, but uh, I ruptured my ankle ligaments. But they tried to, to make it permanent after, but he was outstanding. And I learned a lot off John Sheridan. I mean, that Shez was brilliant. Still still speak to Shez. But no, I've had some good managers. Craig Levine, 
was pure fitness. None of this. Playing a Saturday, and I love Roy Keane's comments on it, so it made me laugh. When he says, playing a Saturday, come in, their boys are sitting in the gym having a cup of tea, going to a warm day. We ran, and I mean ran on a Monday. And, and literally the running wasn't easy. You were, you were doing 10 doggies right up to 100 metres every Monday, so you knew what was coming. Yeah, and that was after a game where you look. I think my Monday's bad when I just have to come in and get a coffee and start work. <laughs> no, we ran. <laughs> and then, plus, you'd have a solid Tuesday session, which you'd have Wednesday off, but it wasn't these sit around. And as I say, yeah, I loved, but I just loved playing football. But some of the managers, they were fantastic managers. Yes, you have your ding dongs with them, but that's just the way it was. You know? Was there any one particular club you sort of looked back and think, why on earth did I ever go here? I, I, I wasn't fond of the Oldham, I'm being honest. Mm. Mm, I didn't like Oldham. Didn't feel comfortable up there, and you know it was a it was a story where I was in good money at Cardiff, but you know I was leaving there and Bristol Rovers come in for me and me, and it's a big learning curve. Bristol Rovers come in and offered me very very good money, and I thought, hold on, I'll just wait two hours here and then I'll ask for a bit more and then we'll accept it. They pulled the plug on it. I went up for less money to hold them, and I just hated it from day one. Couldn't wait to get out. Mm-hmm. You know. Was that do you think because? Of the, how it went with Bristol, you sort of went, I shouldn't even be here, I should be there. Probably. Just up, just didn't like the place, I think, and I went, oh, what have I done, you know? And it was late into the, late into pre-season, because it was trying to be play a bit of brinksmanship. And I had agents before, but I'm not a big lover of agents, to be honest. If you get the right one, yes, but, you know, unfortunately, neither run football. But, you know, I was doing a little bit myself, and they pulled the plug, and that's the way it was. Interesting you said there, sorry about the agents drawing football, that's yeah. an interesting thing. And I would fully 100% agree with you. I mean, there's so many agents trying to force moves through for their their uh, people who they're working for, so to speak. And sometimes it's definitely not in the interest of the players. No, not not at all. Well, you look, I think whenever I started, there's only five agents. But now there's, I think, registered with the FA, there's over 1,500. And you're getting, what I didn't like, I had one agent phone me up from a big company. And it was one of his young boys. And he says, I've watched you, you need this right back, my right back says, and I said, will you tell you something, don't you ever tell me what I need, because mm. I know what I need. And some, I always got on with the ex-ones, the ex-players, because they understand where mm. you'll get some of these young boys ring up, no disrespect, but what did you say? You know, uh, and this is the thing I find with agents, you'll have 10 players, centre-forwards, they'll put the 10 years into the one club, unless you're really after this player. If he gets one of them, does he care about the rest of the night? Because he's getting his money. But unfortunately, this is the way football is. Agents, you know what I mean? It's that expanded and it's difficult. It is very difficult, but it's just easy at the moment. And, you know, it's just the way it's an industry, entertainments. And, you know, as I say, it's not all the agents, but some are good. But it's very, very hard at the moment. Man. How much control as a player do you have when you have an agent? I mean, are you signing over a lot of power to them or is it is it a well, personality thing? Because you see a lot written now about, oh, it's his agents forcing the move and you're going, well, if you employ the agent, can you not tell the agent to get stuffed? You can, but as I say, it's the pound signs come in. The, and, you know, the, the one, I'll tell a story. It was up at, we were playing England up at Manchester, nine, two, maybe 2005. And Luton come in for me, Doncaster come in for me, and... Barnsley came in for me, but it was in League One at the time, and it was deadline day, so I come off the training pitch, Mottram Hall, and my agent had to come up to Mottram Hall the hotel, so he's in, he says, yes, three clubs have bid for you, bang, we'll get this done, 
says, right, okay. I said, I want to go to Luton. And he went, no, you're not going to Luton. And Luton, we're getting into the championship. Eh? And I went, why? And he goes, because um, I'm not getting my fee. I went, all right. He says, you're going to go to Barnes or Doncaster? I says, why? And he says, because they're paying my fee. I says, no, I'm not. So I uh, had some money of a loyalty bonus, and I had to pay my agent to make this deal happen. That's football. I can't believe that. I mean, I, I, sadly, I can, but, you know, that's whew, that's crazy stuff, I tell you. Um, Warren Finney, our studio guest here, we're plenty more questions to ask. We haven't even got on to Northern Ireland yet. Uh, what a start to the programme it has been. But now on the score, it is time for this. Yes, it's time for Where's Your Head At, the part of the programme where we look at the weird and wonderful things that have happened in the world of sport and indeed the world over the last week or so. And if we can't figure them out, we just make fun of them, because what else would you do? Colin Hopkins, let's start with you. What have you got for us? Uh, I have to start with Jurgen Klopp this week. That was great excuses, which are getting better game on game. I hope you're not a Liverpool supporter, Warren. No, no he's not going to say that. Sorry, I didn't talk away. Basically coming out last week after another disappointing performance to say that it was a difficult game. People don't like it, but the win came from different directions. So we'll blame the elements in this occasion, but here's me thinking Liverpool are the club that sing walk on through the, the wind, walk on through the rain, but clearly yeah. not last Sunday. So I don't know what the next excuse is going to be, but they seem to be getting better week on week. I love him. He's turned into Michael Fish, isn't he? It's a weather <laughs> forecast every game now. It's ma- it's just amazing. Um, there was a great tweet put up by a guy called Matt Spiro, um, and he said, the happiest and smuggest man in France tonight, this was yesterday, put this up, might just be the Ren president, Olivier Letang, sporting director at PSG. He was forced out in 2017 after a European collapse under Emery. In the last 24 hours, PSG collapsed in Europe again, and Ren beat Emery's Arsenal. Fantastic. How good is that? I reckon I reckon that's bang on the money. Monsieur Letang is sitting there going, <laughs> I love my life. Pop open the bottle. That's a super night for him. This is a follow-up to that particular sort of a news item. I mean, quite interesting. And what it's been a very good week generally for English clubs in Europe. But obviously, Spurs beat Dortmund, United won on PSG, Chelsea destroyed. Uh, our good friends Danny, Danny McKay, but Arsenal lost to a, a heartburn tablet. Saw <laughs> <laughs> that. That was pretty funny. That was pretty good. Um, I saw pictures from an MLS game. Colorado Rapids against Portland Timbers. They need to be renamed Shiver Me Timbers after Unbelievable. this. Unbelievable. Like we get. I, you know, we get a wee drop of snow in this country, and it's like, right, trains are off, buses are off, work's closed, school's closed, stay indoors, you're all in trouble. This is, I mean, it's a completely snow-covered pitch, but we have pictures of the referee. <laughs> his eyebrows are frozen, his hair, which was originally brown, is completely white. The, I do not know how they got the markings of that pitch cleared. It, it was an absolute disaster, but they were able to play the game anyway. And as you rightly pointed out, the referee ended up looking like that thing out of Game of Thrones, which I don't even know what it's called. But yeah. A white walker. White walker, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've let myself down there, haven't I? But I admit, I've never seen Game of Thrones. But uh, I've never seen Th- Frozen either. It could easily be something out of that too. Because yep. <laughs> who's here obviously in the same part um, Donald Trump Probably could just leave it there But um, I'm, <laughs> I'm particularly enjoying the fact That he was with the CEO of Apple That's a guy called Tim Cook And Tim Cook had finished speaking And Donald Trump turned around and went Thank you Tim Apple 
That's <laughs> <laughs> just, just quality. <laughs> like Bill Windows, you know. <laughs> Isn't it great that we have Warren Ards in the studio with us today? Amazing. Oh, this, this, like Tim Apple. I, I, it's, it sort of made me think of, you know when you save people in your phone as their name and what to do because you're not going to remember their real name? Um, you know, you've, you've probably done that before yourself. Yep. And I've gone, that's a strange... I've done that before. I've gone through my contacts. Oh, what the heck's that? And you realise that can't possibly be a name because it's their job. But I've never actually out loud said, oh, Tim Apple or anything. Great, what a guy. But uh, as Ross pointed out, it could be worth, could have called him Granny Smith. <laughs> could you imagine? Uh, or Pink Lady wouldn't have been great either, would it? No. Um, what about... I have to say, and you know, we're all one fraternity in the in the broadcasting industry and all that. Well, we're meant to be. But uh, IFAB brought out new rules, which are going to be introduced in the summer, um, changing the laws of the game. That's what they do. That's so far so good. That makes sense. The problem was that several organisations, including Sky Sports, and embarrassingly, including Dermot Gallagher on Sky Sports, because former referee, came on and made up a rule. So I don't know if you saw this, but... Um, IFAB published a 19-page document, which I was sad enough to sit and read. It's completely free and available to everybody. And you can find it on their social media accounts and their website. But um, I think someone at Sky and a few other places didn't bother reading it. And they said, ah, one of the rules is you can't score rebounds from penalties anymore. And just ran the story. And everyone was going, bah, bah, what And thought the game had been broken or ruined or whatever. It's not a rule. It's not in there. It was a proposal that was binned back in November. So, oopsie-daisy. Uh... You know, check and double check and check again is the old thing there. And we've all made mistakes, but to go with a national story about the rules of football changing when it wasn't even one of the things discussed at the AGM in Aberdeen, that's a bit of a mistake, isn't it? Mm, Where's your head at? Though there are some interesting changes of rules. You maybe sort of followed up and actually hired you to come in. Uh, interesting enough, I mean, first one I noticed was sort of substitutes no longer have to go to the halfway end to come off. So yeah. none of this time wasting, I think, they can come off at any, any part in the pitch. I... I I just want to see that tightened up a little bit. Now, they're going to bring out more sort of documentation on this. I hope that they still have to come off at the technical area, but at times, you know, in, in the match, they can say, no, do you know what, you just go over there. if Because it's, it's going to be a free-for-all if people are just walking off parts of the pitch. So I like the idea that they do have to come across, but maybe, you know, at, at certain parts, they're going, well, he's in the far side. It doesn't make sense if it's the 80th minute and you're losing 1-0 for the team that's winning striker to dand or across in slow motion mm. which is you know it's an age old tactic and I like it but uh, I can understand them going here just turn around and stand two feet that way problem solved there's also a new sort of idea to bring that for- our forwards cannot go into the defensive wall yep. free kicks they have to so it's going to be like a, a, meter. a zone round it or something yeah. that they can't sort of yeah. come into the defensive uh, uh, wall Warren uh, I'm going to ask this is the problem I don't get this at all it's like you know what you know what annoys me the most this offside because Right, this guy can stand off, but your defenders have still got to defend it. Can panic, head the ball out of play, and your defensive, they get a throw in. Yeah. I just don't get it. I can't accept that, and it winds me up, and then I end up losing my head with the fourth official. Faces a play as well, where now you can kind of cheat, essentially, and just be in that zone knowing that you're not active yet. The defender can't come near you, otherwise they put you exactly. on, but eventually you will be on anyway, and, just, and you've gained that and yard like that or free kick, he's standing five yards offside. When that comes in, I'm going, I, I don't. No, no. I'm I'm with you in that. I have to say the offside rule needs sorted out. Um, and I always find it funny when we get really pernickety about offsides. Like Romelu Lukaku scored a goal the other night, uh, the other day in the league, where he was technically offside by like a kneecap, but he still has to cut back in and score. And everyone's kicking up and kind of going, but in what world does it really matter that his kneecap was pointing beyond the defender's mm. back of his leg? Because it's not how he scored, and he actually had to take it back inside before he shot. Yeah, 
I like the light of day rule, to be honest with you. Rather than this, any part of the body you can score with, well, you can score with your nose. I mean, how, how tight on it we're going to go. Uh, you can't score with your hand anymore. The, the, hand, the new handball rule is quite complicated, I think, and they think it's easy. Um, you can't score with your hand anymore, and obviously you weren't ever allowed to intentionally do it, but we saw Aguero, among others, accidentally... Uh, the ball's gone in off their arm. That can't happen anymore. If the ball goes in off your arm, regardless of intention, goal chalked off. So far, I think that's okay, Warren. But but it's the silhouette of the body is the bit that's confused me now because, you know, you tell me when it's the silhouette of my body. Well, I think if you look at Spain, I think it's La Liga, you look at the defenders, they cross the ball, they've got their arms behind their back because they've made that rule. If it hits your hand in that box, it's a penalty kick, whether it's intention, whether it's not. I think that's got to be right. You know... Yeah. You, you look at the Irish League last week, there was two stonewallers for me, <laughs> literally stonewallers, and especially the one at was it Cliftonville had. I just couldn't get where the ball could go forward when his feet's on the ground, what he could hit it with, because he couldn't move. And No, it's frustrating. It yeah. is frustrating. But, I, I'm, yeah. with, I'm with you on that. Gary Lineker's made, a, a, I think, the same argument as well. If it hits your arm, it's handball. Just, just, just do it now. Arm and hand is handball, regardless of intent or anything else, because it's... If you can describe it in a sentence, it's clear. It shouldn't be, well, actually, if he's able to block it within the silhouette of his body and he hasn't intended to play the ball, then it probably... Could, oh, hold it. What? Sorry, start again? It, don't do that to us. But the thing they're doing, the other thing is, if your team gains an advantage by the ball hitting your arm in the build-up to a goal, they can go back and rule the goal out. And you're going, what? Oh, seriously? Like, how far back are you going to pull uh, that? Yeah. You know, if it isn't a foul when it hits your arm... Then it doesn't the, the whole playing on in the goal is irrelevant. It's either you've handled the ball or you haven't. Yeah. So uh, they're probably this is going to be VAR, where essentially they'll be able just to bin assistant officials in the end. Just go, just go to the fella in the yeah. truck because he's not going to flag anymore anyway because he's petrified. It's crazy. It's I think crazy. there's also one there. I think of which will be if the ball hits the referee. You're talking about introducing a drop ball. Mm. I read somewhere which is a bit of a strange one, as opposed to at the moment it just goes anywhere, but. It was a bizarre one that for me, and also goalkeepers' penalties can only have to put one foot one on, foot on the, line. the line. This, the, here's my one here's here's my promise to everybody: they'll still ignore that rule, Probably. and, oh, and yeah. by they I mean the referees yeah. as well, because yeah, yeah. keepers, you know, both feet on the line, keepers, and they just come walking <laughs> off, <laughs> and the referee go, "Yeah, that's a goal, doesn't matter." Yeah, but surely I think it's easier if they've two feet because they'll spring more. <laughs> one foot's hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like someone somewhere's gone. Uh, they always kind of cheat a wee bit, and I'm using that in a and and you know not the the sort of horrible sense because I know Phil Neville got a bit of a pelter talking about somebody a left back cheating their position. And you're like, that's not what they mean by cheating. Yeah. But um, you do you try and get a wee advantage by coming a bit off your line or whatever, and then springing, and they're going, oh well, what if you've one foot? And you're like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna ignore that anyway. It doesn't yeah, I matter. I think they will. It'd be hard for a goalkeeper to spring off one foot. No, it's not it's not happening. The, the, I understand some of the changes. I don't like not allowing an offensive player to be in the defensive wall. Uh, it's just part of the gamesmanship. I think you should allow that sort of craft and guile. And well, but you know, was it United for years? They had Sheringham who used to pull the guy away. Yeah. You know, it's just being class. It's just being smart. Yeah. You know, you look. I was a big believer, and if someone touched me in the penalty box, see you later. I'm down. End of story. <laughs> I'm not in this being honest. No chance. If I get foul. I'm down. And. At the end of the day, you know what I mean? You've got to be a wee bit acute, you know, and put it, I, I always believed in a striker in the defensive wall. It just takes the occupy off it. Yeah. Give him a wee bit, going, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? <laughs> takes her mind off it, because yeah. he might turn his head to talk to you. And it's in, I just don't, I don't get why. So, but how far then can he how, not how, stand, in, can he stand behind the wall? Yeah. Because you're not technically in the wall. There's like a metre difference. I think there's a metre yeah. they're talking about. Right around so it. is he going to get then his 
ice cream stuff out and <laughs> shaving film out and spread around the wall. You know what I mean? Sounds like oh, it. That, imagine that actually. That's a great shadow. He's got a yeah. big, big protective circle on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a force fraud. Exactly. Don't force fraud. Exactly. No. <laughs> no. You're for zap you come into it. Ho- hold on. How much contact before you went down then? What oh, was it? Did listen, you have a rule? I, I'm a big believer. And I said to my strikers, once you're in that box, don't worry. I said, you're, they will not make a challenge on you. If I was touched, see you later. I'm down. End of story. I must think. I'll be fair. very honest. Fair enough. I got a few penalties in my career from, yeah. Not diving, but there was contact. Yeah. You know? Yeah, give the referee a decision to make. Yeah. Not to say. And then if he gave the wrong one, he was getting it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other thing as well. If defenders are, are silly enough to put the arm across your, to, to grab a hold of your shirt. Because as soon as someone has the hands on you, all you have to do is run the opposite direction, and it's so obvious what's happened. The, the, the ones I liked was just the. You sucked the defenders in, it. you just waited, and then you got that little touch when they. You stop and they yeah, come you in behind yeah. you. know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I'll be honest, I could, I love that cynical yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> Colin's like, oh, the spirit of the game. Yeah. I kind of like it. Um, t- tell you what, I, I didn't like this. Mario Balotelli, he went a bit rogue with his latest goal <laughs> celebration. Have you seen this? Uh, he scored the opening goal in a game uh, in the French League, but. Um, the, the opening goal as well, not the winning goal. The opening goal, and he went and grabbed his phone and Instagram the, the goal celebration. And you're like, you're you're just a different breed, mate. But I, I, I can understand if it's a cup final goal, a goal of significance, maybe somewhere, and you're kind of going, this is history. But be a big fine for me, a massive fine. I'm a big believer in no mobiles. Once you're in that half one, that's you. And the goal day, oh, I just think it's. See, this is what I mean. This just goes back to what a kid's watching that. What's he going to do? Run to his mum and say, take a picture of me now? <laughs> Obviously, you know in this mean? case, somebody's been logged onto his Instagram account, standing behind the goal with his with his phone, ready to hand it over to him as soon as the goal went in, and then he runs grabs the phone. What's wrong with doing Alan Shear or Cantona? Score and yeah. just stand there. What's wrong with that? Exactly. Hey. I agree on yeah. percent with And uh, that's Mario for you. Have you got <laughs> Have you got another one for us? Um, we have the one from Sky Sports last Sunday when oh. we were doing the teams for the Chelsea Fulham match obviously they do all the player photographs as we do mm-hmm. so this is all the, the lineup, and they put number three for Fulham was Ryan Sesson and promptly produced a picture of Stephen Sesson his twin brother Way. <laughs> uh, thankfully I can tell twins apart and if you know you know um, the stadium announcer at Finn Park uh, he goes in for me um, the announcement as tweeted by a guy called Rory Kelly he, he's witnessed this welcome to Finn Park for the SSE Electricity League fixture between Finn Harps and our northwest rivals Derry City the problem was they were playing Sligo Rovers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like, love that he's gone in dead. Tonight, a grudge match to the death. You know, and it's like, mate, <laughs> they're not Wrong team. This isn't happening. I don't know what happened, but Brilliant. that's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, Tano announcers, sometimes they provide more entertainment than the mean. But uh, I actually, there was one time I went to announce a goal on the radio and the Tano announcer beat me to it. And I, what a goal, scored by and <laughs> I can't remember who it was, Michael Carville or something. Uh, yeah, it was him. And it's just that's what I did because I just thought this is very funny. One of these perfect moments where you're like, yep, that'll do. Okay, fair enough. Anything else before we close that one section? F- one final oh, one, which ahead. has got absolutely nothing to do with football. I just thought it was quite amusing. Anyway. Uh, a friend of a friend of a friend uh, basically has right. spent a whole of, sort of most of today, uh, yesterday trying to convince Ryan Erdis not charging £13 for changing his name. Basically, his name is uh, Luke Bradley, but whenever he was typing it in on the online form, it auto-spelled but changed it to Luke Warm Bradley. <laughs> 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 I 
and ran her one to 13 quid to change oh, it. Oh, and he quickly became red hot, Bradley. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would think so. Has he has he got the money off yet, or is this mid happening? Can we? Can we mid happening. Can we get a, a back him up here? Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah. I think um, you know yeah. if anyone's listening uh, today from that particular uh, company, get that sorted out, please. Bombard, bombard, Good old auto spell. Do, do you know the worst thing now? You see, uh, with flights, they're so cute because they realise that you don't really, if you're on a, on a particularly long flight, you don't really want to have to sit a mile away from your mates. And they go, oh, do you want? You might uh, want to stick your friend up the front, and you're going to be at the back. Do you want to? Do you want to pay for a wee seat beside them? And you went. I used to be able just to get on here and sit where I wanted. Yeah. What's happened? Yeah. And they went, no, no, uh, we're randomly assigning your two tickets yeah. at the total opposite side of the plane, <laughs> right. and you're like, that is absolute. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't stand that. That's bad. Warren's on enough planes. You probably been the wrong end of that one. I'm sure. Oh, got loads, loads, loads. And <laughs> uh, there's been your where's your head at here on the score. Yes, uh, we have former Northern Ireland international and current Ards manager Warren Feeney in the studio with us. He's our special guest on uh, the show today. And Warren, it is fantastic having you in and, and hearing your insight. Uh, one of the polls we're running it definitely is something I want to get your view on. And it's the, the Rashford uh, penalty decision because obviously the Kempembe handball was it, wasn't it? Um, as a striker, you're not going to complain about the opportunity to score a goal. But, but as a football person, was, should it have I'm- been given? Absolute one hundred percent stonewall penalty because he shot, but the the guy's turned his back, so he's not in control of his arm. If he's there looking, which I'm a believer, anyway, hits his hand, but he's turned like that. So the shot's on target for me. That's a stonewall penalty. Stonewall. He's not in control of his where he's not looking. As I say, he's looking that way, and he's behind him. His arms there, so it's a hundred percent. Do you think he pushed his arm out deliberately? Hundred percent. Well. He's not in control of it. He I doesn't know. know. I don't know where he's meant he's, to put his arm. You know what? As I said, you good defenders, they'll take it head, chest, back. But you don't want defenders to turn their back. He's shown a weakness there to me. And as I said, he's not in control of it. So it's definitely penalty. Because there's obviously been a very strong reaction to this, and we even saw it just from tweeting with someone in Nigeria send us a lovely graphic to explain how it's definitely a penalty. But okay. um, and that's how how emotive this subject clearly is for football fans. But you know what? On what grounds would it not be a penalty? There's the question. Tell me what but, grounds? Because you, uh, we'll we'll go to the the coverage in BT Sport is what I think a lot of people probably saw in the UK anyway. And, and Rio Ferdinand, Man United legend, centre back, he said, "Look, there's no way the defender gets his arms out of the way there." You know, Warren, you've no sympathy for the defender in this case. No, not at all, because he shouldn't be. It's not as, he's not in control. He's not looking at it. You know what I mean? He's just threw his arms up, knowing that shot's coming in, thinking, yeah. oh, I think it's being quite curious. You know what I mean? I just think it's just, as you say, I agree 100% about the turning on your back. You shouldn't be doing that. You can bring your arms done. in as you turn your back. Well, that's the uh, sort of, you know, why does his, arm, why is his arms but, loose? But when you you're jumping one, in the air and you're you know, twisting. Right, tell me this one then, whenever you see it, you're in a wall and they have their hand like that there and they're not looking and it hits them. Is that not a penalty? Because what's your hand doing up there? Yeah. What's yeah. your hand doing across your face? Mm, what's yeah. protecting your face? Not but. <laughs> I know. And so. people, Man United fans will point and say, do you know what, this is all justice anyway because Kempembe could have got sent off in the, the first leg and he ended up scoring a goal and United fans felt aggrieved and, and maybe this is all sort of somehow karma working its way out. Um, but the thing was, I watched it with my dad and my first instinct was... 
if I'm being honest, not a penalty. But we see it as soon as I saw the replay. I said, regardless of what we argue, the referee will 100% give this. And he's like, why? And I said, because if you look at the motion of the player and where his arm's positioned, no matter what any of us think, every referee gives that as a penalty. I thought you were going to say you give it because it's Man United. Completely biased. He knows. Red glasses. No, but... And you saw uh, Peter Walton was the, um, the sort of referee analyst for the studio and everything, and, and he backed it up. And so we seem to have a camp of, on that night, ex-players saying, never, ever, ever, and referees kind of going, no, this is this is the way it is. And it comes back to what we were saying. If you just say, if it hits your hand, it's a handball, it makes life an awful lot easier for everybody. But his, his arm is extended from his body and prevents the ball travelling in the direction Definitely. of the goal. So the defence gain an advantage Holy. by his arm position. So... Penalty? Why I not? I wouldn't even have needed VAR for that. Uh, what's, your, what's your views on VAR? <sighs> Hate it or love it? I'm not a lover of it at all. Good lad. <laughs> not at all. You stopped the game for what? What was it the other night? About four minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. I just don't. And then, you know, it gets me. I'm a West Ham fan, in the Premier League. But look at. Sorry to hear that. Hernandez is one. Where's the VAR there? He's <laughs> literally. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. the the thing is, remember everybody said, "Oh, VAR is going to take away all these arguments." <laughs> <laughs> we'll agree not, on that. It's not a chance. Ten times worse. The, the thing is, because some some decisions are fifty fifty, and it doesn't matter how many times you look at them, they're still fifty fifty, and that means that fifty percent of the people aren't going to be happy. Um, it's the same with elections. Some would say, but you uh, you look at. Um, that scenario, and you're gonna go. What's the referee gonna do? He's he's gonna annoy anybody somehow with with that. I don't know. VAR for me, um, the technology clearly works, but the problem is that it's still taking too long. I didn't understand the added time in that game though, because there was like 99 minutes, mm. but there was three minutes added on, right? Which is 93. Here we're looking at that for miles, right? And it took three minutes for the VAR decision and the penalty. So that's 96. So where did the other three minutes come from? Fergie time for PSG. <laughs> <laughs> Man United were already winning They didn't want them <laughs> Take them, take oh, those well. minutes off That was a sweaty few minutes I'll tell you that I mean If my next door neighbour is listening I make no apologies For how loud it was He's a big Liverpool fan So that's uh, said, said with love He might get his own back For the season's out uh, Just to bring you up to date uh, The percentages And how everything's going uh, 23% say Stonewaller 24% say Seen them given 24% say Harsh And 29% say Never a penalty 29% I don't get that's that That's so close so, it is very seen, close but you know what? Seen them given. What's that mean? Oh no, we saw that given. <laughs> I put that in because that's such a football phrase. But, seen them given. Like, of course you flip it. That just happened. But what else? You seen what given? What other one? What other scenario? Saw Warren Feeney you know dive I mean? once. Oh. <laughs> uh, how things are going in the other polls? Just to bring up the speed. Can you under Shield final on Tuesday night? Who's going to win? Cruiser Blues. Uh, Crusaders forty five percent. Linfield fifty five percent. So far, it'll be Linfield's second piece of silverware this season. Should they be successful? And uh, Ireland France Six Nations sixty six percent say Ireland so far. That's on Sunday. Um, Warren, I, I want to talk about Northern Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. Forty six caps. I think yep. five goals. Yep. All scored at Windsor Park. Um, what one's my favourite? I wasn't going to go there, actually. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but do you have one? You, um, you... I like the Denmark one. I must admit, I like the Denmark. We won 0 down, a, a good header in there. And then Sir David um, chipped the winner. But yeah, I like my Denmark one. Yeah, he kind of overshadowed you, didn't he, with making history with his goal? No, you know what? He's, <laughs> listen, what he done that campaign is just... And he's a lovely, lovely guy. And you know what? I'm delighted how well he's doing at Linfield because I know how hard it is and... 
I'm still hearing people saying, oh, they've done this, done that. And he's 100% right what he says. Listen, let him get on with it. You know, and I'm delighted for him. Absolutely delighted for him. Um, I was with him the other day, actually, and he had the chance to throw you under the bus, and he didn't take it. I says, I'm going to be with Warren on Friday. Any questions? And he went, and he had a wee think, so something in there was amazing. Like, it was, you know, when you just look in someone's eyes, you go, you've thought something class. And he went, actually, no, it doesn't matter. So you might know already what that is, Warren. I don't, but I, just so you know, he, he did you solid there. I feel. Yeah, he's, good. No, he's a good lad, David. Good lad. A lot of time for him. Still owes me lunch. <laughs> <laughs> he might have thought he squared it there <laughs> by not doing that. He's always one step ahead in his thinking, David. Um, but they, you know, when you when you look at those careers, Azerbaijan, Portugal, Denmark, Slovenia, Poland. I know people talk about the Slovenia, Poland because the the back to back nature of them and stuff, but. Um, Scoring your first international goal must be that—that that must be just something that sticks with you forever. You no, must just. No, it was. It was a penalty, obviously, against Azerbaijan. I remember. Um, it was a fight for the ball. I think it was Stevie Davis had it. It might have Steve Jones had it, and I went, "Give me it." So I'm hitting it. I think Keith was there, and I made sure, you know. And um, yeah, I went up, and good to see it going the back end. It. There's been so much debate. I mean, we mentioned Rashford there, and ice cold, wasn't he? I mean, at that age, that pressure. He's never had a penalty for Man United before. I didn't realise that. Puts the ball down, and all the nonsense and the wasting time, and as true a penalty as you're going to see hit. Um, what do you do in that moment? Because there, there must be a million thoughts going Listen, through your head. I've played and missed two penalties in one game. But I didn't care. You just, you know, you you can't think about it. You know, I think the way Hazard hits him, I don't know how he does that. <laughs> um, but that just shows the arrogance of him, how good he is. But no, I'll, pick, I'll go up, pick a corner. Um, and as I say, just relax, don't worry about it. Do you do you have like a penalty? I know that's a stupid question, maybe to um, ask a, a former professional footballer. But do you, do you know what I mean by that? You're yeah, like your trademark your favourite, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you do, but as I say, you know, you should never change your mind on it. Um, I usually don't go in that corner to be honest. I usually whip it in the other corner. Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't know, I just looked at him that side and I fancy myself strongly and um yeah, but listen, it's you can't you can't let things happen, you know, I missed two two in the game before and, and Is that how much that's down to the keeper? Do you ever come up against the keeper from the spot and go yeah, flip he's massive? You do. <laughs> no, you you just gotta concentrate on you as I said to you. Um you can't look at it like that there. Listen, if you hit that hard enough and then that corner your score and the story because them keepers will knock it down. That no hope, but you know you can't. So you can't let things go through your head. It's like missing a chance. You, yeah. you got to be able to miss them. Believe in it. What What about mind games with goalkeepers in terms of? Ah, uh, it's you get some keepers coming out, and I don't get involved until I score. And then I think there's <laughs> one in, I think there's one on YouTube of me against Dun, for Dundee United. I think the boy, the Sunderland manager, now even Jack Ross, the thingy, and he was me and him were having a grief and. I said nothing, and I remember I scored. And he was there, and I run past him, and I'd done something, and the ref booked me straight <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, as I say, you put the ball in the back of the net, and then you can mm. you can have a bit of, you know, great will. Dundee had quite a chant for you, didn't they? They probably are, they did, uh. I, I loved it up there, Dundee and I loved it. Itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, ball yeah. he had at Warren Feeney. Yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Celtic fans had a few up there as well. For me. <laughs> I won't put them in there. <laughs> hey. Those were the days. <laughs> but you've played in some cracking derby matches. Oh yeah, that's a lot. That's what I said. I love my football, but you love atmospheres against the teams, and 
I was a believer. I did not care who I played against. Not couldn't care. It's you against them. End of story. You got to make it as hard. Listen, players have got quality. Yeah. But you've got to make it as hard as you can, and um, that's the one thing I always tried to give a hundred percent. Have you a favourite game in Northern Ireland top? Probably. I love the Poland game. Poland was a good game because the atmosphere. Um, you know, in the three-two. But yeah, yeah, it was a good game. I like that. Yeah. So it's because of play, obviously the England one, yes, but because you started the Polo one, you scored, and yeah, it was good, you know. Just stays with you. There's those. Uh, you see, when you meet up with, um, well, I'm, I'm presuming you do meet up with some of your old international teammates. Do you talk about any of the old matches? Oh yeah, listen, but I still speak to Gareth McCauley. The most we have text each other three, four times a week. Big G. Uh, say most of those texts couldn't be broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my phone goes missing. <laughs> um, we saw me clinging. Actually, I've got a ring. Saw me today. To be fair, um, but yeah, you know, I try and stay in contact. And you know, I met Michael Hughes yesterday as well. Hughesy. So we all we're all mates. You know what I mean? That's the one thing about the Northern Ireland team. We were all best mates. You know, meeting up with the Sixers there a couple of, well a month ago with Paddy McCourt and Kirk or Murdo. We're just all mates. That's the one thing about us. We didn't care. What background you're from? We all stuck together. You know what I mean, and and that's why we got a lot of joy. Mm. Nigel Worthing was your manager. Northern was that right? I had Sammy McElroy. I had Laurie, McMa- uh, Laurie Sanchez, Nigel Worthing. Yeah. How did so, you rate all them as managers? Yeah, you know what? They were all different in a way. Mm. Sammy ended up signing me for Stockport. Loved them. Yeah. Um, Laurie was yeah he was good at what he done Laurie but. Yeah, probably my, it was difficult because I wanted to play and, you know, he had his ways. Um, Nigel, yeah, I liked. Nigel was, you know, brilliant. He he told you what it was, his warm-ups. He could have won Cheltenham. Fuck me. You, you dreaded getting <laughs> I like my running, but you dreaded getting up to do a run with okay. <laughs> yeah. Um But, yeah, no, as I say, but the team spirit we had was a good, good, uh, you know, good bunch of boys. And say win, lose, or draw, we always stuck together, you know. Uh, we've got a message on Facebook from a uh, guy, Gary Duck. Uh, make sure I say that last name right, Gary. I know him uh, well. You know Gary? What's he, he said? He said, Warren, what's the story about Big Roy Carl and warm-ups in Northern Ireland, Judy? <laughs> <laughs> With warm-ups and what was it? Warm-ups on Northern Ireland, Judy. Oh, well, we were playing <laughs> Denmark at Copenhagen Stadium and the roof was closed. So we're going through bits and pieces. Next thing we heard this, doof, doof, we're going, turn around, Big Roy's trying to hit the roof. <laughs> In the middle of shit with a ball. <laughs> but that's just, that's just the way we were. We ended up getting the point out there, but he was trying to hit the roof in the middle of, in the middle of the training session. <laughs> I mean, for my money, I can't think of another character quite like Roy Carroll. Oh, he's brilliant. He was you, did, you messed up in training, he let you know about it, by the way. I mean that. He was very vocal, Roy. But you expected that from a keeper. You know what? I've said this. Name me a leader now in the Premier League. Yeah. Name me a goalkeeper who you thought, I find it really, really hard. Yeah. Really hard now. Yeah. You know, people say Van Dijk. I can see, but when you're talking Vieira, Kane, Terry, Bruce, Pallister, Keown. You're talking proper, you knew you were up against it, you know what I mean? I just don't don't see that. You know, even the keepers of Grobler when he's with McManaman, you know what I mean? That's how much it meant. You always you used to say keepers were all weirdos. Big Roy, he honestly good, and if you weren't at it, he let you know about it. Cause he the 
I would love to have seen what he was like when he was in his early 20s because he's still so mischievous. Even the League Cup final, um, after the match, you know, Linfield have won, talking to David Healy, doing the interview for television, and Roy's just messing about in the background trying to put him off. And it's, you know, everyone's smiling and laughing. There's, you know, nobody's stitching anybody up, really. It's just a bit of fun. But you're going, I love that energy he has. He is, and you know what? You need them in change rooms, but come football, he'll be yeah. not wanting to get beat. That's the way they switch. You know, yeah, it's, oh, it's an incredible thing. Um, was there anyone from any of the Northern Ireland teams that you played in that you were a bit scared of, maybe when you're coming in or anything? Because you're talking about leaders, are big personalities, strong personalities. Um, no, you know what? I remember my debut. Um, Jimmy Magill and Michael Hughes were playing Liechtenstein, took me up the mountains and just said, "Go and enjoy your kid," and that's always stuck with me. But no, because what if things gone wrong? I'm not. Look, I'm not having a go at the way football is now. But if you had a go at me in that pitch. I respected it, right? But if you have a goal players now, they think it's personal. And they're like, what What do you say to me where you could have turned around and said, Oi, Davey, don't give the ball away. Make sure you're did it. You don't want, yep. And then if you've done it, he's on you. But you have a goal to person now on a pitch. It's personal. It is personal. To what do you think is brought about that change then? The way, as I said, you go back to the way kids are. Mm. I don't think it's brought up right. They can't accept it. They're not used to being shouted at, you know? Do you think that's contributing to the lack of leaders on the pitch? 100%. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's my question. Name me a leader in the Premier League yeah. that you would, you'd be scared to play against. Well, I know as a Chelsea supporter, I mean, I, the thing we're missing at the moment is a leader. Since John Terry has, has exactly. left, there's been nobody to lead the team. Exactly. Um, looking at Northern Ireland's uh, upcoming games, Stoney and Belarus, I mean, it's it's not an easy group by any means when you look at Germany and the Netherlands still to come, but the way the fixtures fall... You, you've two home ties there that you have to say if you're Michael O'Neill you're going these are winnable and they're, they're in many ways they're must win aren't they Warren? Yeah you know what I actually think what Michael's done is outstanding and I actually think I love the way Northern Ireland plays they had a game plan but they're actually playing better football now probably and you know what mm. I hope listen they're going to don't get me wrong Estonia's come up loads Estonia's are, are decent you know but as I said look, there are two games if you want to do you're going to have to, to pick up maximum points from but as I say it's easier said than done and you know Michael will know what he wants and uh but he's got the he's got the players there to do it and I've, you know we've, we've got to get behind him and, and get every confidence look at the joys we had before so you know why can we not do it again um and he seems to be you know being able to bring through the young players as well the the government's Paul Smith obviously who you've experienced of of managing and, and bringing through when you were at Linfield um it must be really proud for you to be able to, to watch Paul Smith make his international debut and, and get an opportunity. You know what, I went to watch Paul against Portadown for Linfield Reserves um, and the kid, he was only 16 at the time, I think it was, and the kid, what I liked about him, he got hit, he got up and got back on it. And we played Newton and I fired him in, gave him his debut, a few of them, and um, you could see, and it's funny, we went to Crawley and we tried to buy him and Gavin White. Um, and you know what I'm pleased that their kids have went on because in Sexy because see in England people look at the Irish League as it's not even on a level below the Conference South North they don't even respect it at all and I'm sitting there going but you've got kids who are working all day going to train at night giving their maximum and I, and I mean that see when I was at Linfield the players that have worked they're, they're, they're trained better than some of the pros in England I mean that um, but they're playing European football and they're getting kicked, they're getting hit, and they're getting all I'm pleased and I hope I hope more um players are coming through and teams go and look at them. 
and the ones that have made it across recently, I think, are, are making a good case for more going over in uh, the coming years. Just very briefly on that, because you're on the other side of the coin. I've spoken to so many managers who have dealt with clubs trying to come in and take players from this league, but being on that other side and trying to approach a Northern Irish club and say, well, like the look of X, Y, or Z, are clubs here realistic when it comes to selling players? No, because you'll maybe have, there'll be, this season in England, there'll probably be, and this is not in the Premier League, not Championship, there'll probably be 2,500 players released looking for clubs. And you'll get free. No one, I couldn't, that was one thing I found really hard, was paying 15, 20,000, but they're for part-time players. No disrespect them, and I would prefer to give the kid a chance, and if he doesn't do it, first refusal to go back, where you're pricing kids out of moves. Is, yeah, because I understand where the club have a their feeling. You know, he's a value to us. We could lose European qualification. This could really hammer us. And okay, it might help him. But what does where does it leave the club? So there's a there's a balance to be struck there. But I just I always thought it's an interesting point. Is because uh, you hear rumours about clubs coming up with big fees, and you're kind of going, oh, you might not ever get a move if we, the club keeps that view. We I think we offered I think it was ninety for Paul and Gavin, which is. Each? Big, yeah, which is big money for us at Crawley, well, but it wasn't enough. There you go. Well, interesting. Mm. I, I've always wondered what an Irish League, a top Irish League player would go for, so you're, you're talking in excess of that then? That was, yeah, that was, yeah. So well, whatever it went, unless they reduced them, they didn't go, but we, we, yeah, we wanted the two of them, definitely. A couple of people are asking um, about... Because obviously coming in after David Jeffrey, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you talk about pressure. Mr. Linfield, with all respect to Ballymena, what he's done there since going and everything else, and to Ballymena supporters, obviously. But we all know, you know, he, he is the figurehead when most people think of Linfield Football Club in the last 20 years or whatever. You think David Jeffrey, don't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. And then for you to, to mm-hmm. step in off the back of that. I mean, it, it takes, uh, I will use this phrase, it takes big swingers to step in right <laughs> after him, doesn't it? Um, listen, I'm a Linfield fan. Um, and what David done, you know, is absolutely phenomenal. The record he's got. Um, and look, when I come up, you know, I don't shy away from it. I say, football's been my life, you know, and the opportunity come. And I says, yeah, I want the job. Um, went and met them. And it was a bit like people were saying, Fergie leaving and Davy Moyes coming in. But you've got to believe in what you do. And look, I, I knew this. I said, Linfield hadn't won the the league so something needed to happen in three years I think it was so they needed to change a bit like Liverpool's took Klopp I'm not saying they're going to win it but he's got a good chance this year it's t- what's this his third, fourth year so you need to rebuild and, I, and I'd said at that time I said you'll win the league in three years um, and I just needed to freshen it up bring my own players in get the way I wanted and you know I've no regrets whatsoever I left them top of the league I won 10 out of I think the first 11 games um, and I've no regrets but yeah I don't care it's, I believe in what I do listen you can't I think the way social media is nowadays you can't listen to people on Twitter you can't listen to Facebook I don't do any of it I don't I'll take people's opinions but if I want to store it yes if not I'll do it my way and the manager once said to me you're going to win games you're going to lose games but he says when you win don't get carried away when you lose don't go low stay in the middle and he says do it your way because you'll walk away if you don't with regrets and I should have done this and the one good thing is at Linfield I've no regrets what I've done. Yeah, I think, judging by it, the, the hardest thing you had to do was make that decision to leave when you did. Yeah, you know, as I say, it was difficult, but it wasn't because of my family, what people were saying. Um, you know, 
I wanted to stay and I got offered a two year deal on the day that Newport come in. And it was one of them, well, you know, the, the know I wanted to stay, but at some great times and I just made the decision then, you know, I'm going to move on. And that's the way it was. Yeah. Um, so I did your first Linfield game, which was away to Portadown. Yeah. I remember I was, I actually distinctly remember it being one of the, in my opinion, one of the most awkward pre-match reports I had to do because I was talking about someone who hadn't started their job yet, who was right in front of me because you were in the stand <laughs> talking to someone. And I thought, this is just not how you want to introduce yourself to a person, really. You know, I'm going to analyse this guy and is he going to be successful? The pressure's on him. Hello, Warren. Nice to meet you. Yeah. But, you know, that that's the way it is. So did that and then, you know, fast forward a wee bit, you leave Linfield top of the league. I'm just thinking if you I did your first game now at Ards, you won that. If you keep with them to the start of next season, you could leave and alphabetically they'll be top of the league and you'd be... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good omen. Uh, um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. As I said, I remember that game as well at Portadown. It was, it was difficult, but... No, but you look back on them things and as I say, I definitely think I've learned more as a manager. You know, with definitely my experience and as I say, you you got to do your own things, but you do it with wee bits you pick off of um, managers you've worked with what I like is at that stage in the in Windsor Park whilst all the work was going on the lifts weren't working or anything I don't even think they were installed were they and uh, post-match obviously you need somebody to interview Warren would always and um, not, I don't want to embarrass you Warren would always sprint up somehow we wouldn't even be out of puff that much other managers walk out of the dugouts and are <gasps> <gasps> Warren sprints up those stairs and I, I was always wrecked going up them Warren sprints up those stairs and was always good for a, a yeah. chat and I always thought that's fair play to you because <laughs> that was a bit yeah, of a well, bit of an effort it's, that it's funny because you know what and meal number two Toddy we are I'm big on conducting yourself I, I would never be I like to keep myself fit but I don't want to be the one of them in the sideline I couldn't bet that honestly Sometimes I look at, you know, I'm not even but I love a Steve Bruce sitting there. I'm just going, I couldn't be like at the sideline, you know what I mean? I just like to try and keep myself fit and look. Because you know what? And look, I'd love what Steve Bruce has done, what a player. But I just think you've got to look good for what your players are going to think as well, you know what I mean? That's just the way I am. I just love my fitness. Yeah. Uh, you also had to hop over a fence to come and speak to me at ours, but that was just a bit of misdirection. Yeah, no, see, yeah. <laughs> Awkward, Michael. I'm trying to make it hard, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but he was able to do that too, so it, it kind of proves his point. Um, Warren, just the final word has to go to ours because that's the club you're at at the minute. Uh, Glenn, Torin tomorrow, going to the, uh, the Ovo. Of course, it's an important game. Every single game in many ways is. It's the old cliche. It's like a cup final at this stage. How confident are you that you can do it? No, look, you know what? We're confident. We've got to believe in what we're doing, but... Look, there's no pressure on us, as I said. Where we are, we're going to win, we're going to lose. Um, Glens are a magnificent club, big club. Probably shouldn't be where they are, in my opinion, because they should be up there with Flimfield. But, as I said, we've just got to go and, and concentrate on us and look, believe in the players. Um, but we'll go there, we we'll smile, enjoy it, and as I say, hopefully we get the right result. And come the summer, could you be cooks to stick around? Well, you know what? I said the chairman will take these eight games now and we'll see where we are and have a cup of tea and it depends on the Warren Patton sausage rolls and Tony Cafola's ice cream they're <laughs> on the board <laughs> those, those, are, those are T's and C's I, I might come along to that meeting now as well and I'm not normally one for meetings uh, Warren it's been a pleasure thanks so much for coming on to the programme today thank you thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me Michael Clark. we're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. 
and in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.